Welcome to Global One Media Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Swido. I'm speaking today with Bill Panagiotakopoulos. He's the chairman and CEO of Safe Supply. Bill, welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Your company focuses on a product that has been criminalized my entire life, and which is still illegal in most parts of the world, with exception of some limited medical uses. But you've listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange with an argument that the war on drugs is coming to an end, and that in fact it already has ended in some localities. The product at the heart of your company's business is cocaine. I have to admit, when I was first approached about interviewing you, I had some reservations. But then my curiosity got the better of me, particularly when I read your latest media release. So let's take a look at that. Your company announced a purchase of 10 kilograms of spray-dried coca powder and 10 liters of liquid coca extract, which has been shipped to Canada. I have so many questions about this, but first off, let's be clear about what it is that you've imported. Your media release talks about coca and ice coca leaf, coca powder and extract. Are these products cocaine? The, fir the first shipment coming in is not uh, cocaine. The coca extract that we're bringing in has to have the alkaloid taken out. Uh, and that's part of our track of bringing product into the country, uh, getting it through the borders, and we work up to the uh, ultimate goal, which is to bring in uh, cocaine uh, right now, because the medical market is 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 just so big for it right now. So this first shipment is not actually the drug of cocaine, but you're planning to import cocaine in future. Uh, let's clarify, is it legal for you to receive a shipment of cocaine in Canada? Yes. So there's legal mechanisms to bring cocaine into Canada, America, and Europe. Um, the company we're working with right now has been doing has been shipping out cocaine for medical purposes for the better part of 45 years. Um, so there's a tremendous uh, business right now to be had in illegal cocaine. And of course, we're setting up for the waiting for the illegal side of the cocaine business to come into the regulated side, much like cannabis and psychedelics have. Part of your business model is based uh, around the decriminalization of drugs. Uh, and you talked about a third wave, and I want to hear that. But first, I, I still just want to explore this media release. Once you get the cocaine into the country, what do you do with it? Well, the first shipment that we're bringing in is the coca extract, and that's going to straight to our labs to analyze it and start uh, putting start putting more research behind it. Um, and that's specifically for the consumer packaged goods industry, the beverage industries. So one of the the only company in the world right now that uses coca extract is Coca-Cola, and they still use it in their formulation. Um, it's a $200 billion company, and there's no other company that's using this extract. We find that uh, to be an opportunity. There's been a lot of companies that we've been talking to that have approached us and want this extract. Again, it's, it has the alkaloid or the cocaine portion of it taken out, um, and it smells good, it tastes good, it's a flavor enhancer. We're looking at it, putting it into teas, coffees. Uh, energy drinks, uh, just different uh, products that are out there in in the, in the marketplace that's looking for the new disruptive uh, ingredient. And we believe that the coca plant is that new disruptive ingredient. All right. So you're looking at both as a drug and a non-drug like Coca-Cola. Uh, I'm curious about the shipment. Where did you source it from and how did you get it? I mean, I don't imagine you can legally buy cocaine just anywhere. 
No, no. So we went down to the only UN sanctioned source of uh, coca, which is down in South America, in Peru. And um, we went down there. We've, we're dealing with a partner of ours, uh, Harbor, which Harbor has a master export license with them. And in collaboration with Harbor, we're bringing that product into Canada. So I imagine there must be a number of sourcing issues, not the least of which are drug lords who might be upset that you're encroaching on their territory. Uh, is that a concern for you at all? Is that an issue? No, we're nowhere near encroaching on any of their business. And um, they're very sophisticated groups down there that are uh, that are infinitely expanding their network and, and interests in other products. The fact that cocaine is going to be descheduled or uh, legalized and put out into the public seems to be, uh, you know, one step closer. Uh, as you see, you know, uh, Bern, Switzerland um, is asking to legalize cocaine and sell it recreationally. Uh, last uh, three weeks ago, the uh, mayor of Amsterdam has come out and protested this, uh, uh, there's no regulatory framework proper around drugs for them to be regulated and sold. The, you know, in British Columbia, we've decriminalized all drugs. Uh, Australia has done it with psychedelics. So the world is, you know, taking steps towards saying, hey, look, you know what, we need, these products have been asked for, they're desired by um, the people. Um, we've tried making them illegal. That's not done very much. So let's find a mechanism just like cannabis and psychedelics where we can regulate it uh, and put it out there. All right. So many people believe that the war on drugs, which goes back to the 1980s, has been a failure. That's been uh, there's been a tremendous cost in both lives and money. But I still don't think that most communities are ready to legalize hard drugs like cocaine, even though there are some exceptions like you've mentioned. So given mm -hmm. that, where does your company fit in? Well, so we only deal in the the government sanctioned and legalized sections of drugs. We don't we don't go into the gray market. But when we talk about the war on drugs, um, you know, governments are having a hard time right now. On one hand, they're spending billions of dollars trying to police uh, and regulate something that just it's just not working. And on the other side, they're spending billions of dollars on healthcare and trying to help the people that have been affected by these. Uh, drugs and, and and what's going on with them. And in the middle, they're just sitting there saying, okay, well, we're spending all this money. We're not really helping anybody. And I would argue that, you know, a teenager can go to, sorry, a teenager in any major city can get any drug that they want at any time. That's not a war on drugs. That's, that's we're failing, you know, society. Look, people by and large take drugs, whether it's coffee, whether it's alcohol, whether it's tobacco, whether it's cocaine, whether it's ecstasy, MDMA, people want to take these drugs to celebrate. They want to take these drugs to medicate. They take drugs. That, that's just the, 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 the beginning and the end of it. I think it would be a better situation if you were, gave these people a reliable, clean source of drugs. So they're not going to criminals to source their drugs. They're not taking um, poisons that they don't want to be, like getting tricked into taking fentanyl or xylazine and regulating it. And of course, taxing it and of course, helping people just like um, with tobacco. Look, you, you take enough tax dollars in um, and you start helping people that have addiction, that have that need help and that want help. Right now, all, all the governments are doing is throwing money away on one side, trying to fight it. The fight's not working. 
Uh, they're investing a ton of money in people that have been hurt by these drugs because they've been tricked into taking something that was they didn't want to take. And it's just, it just doesn't work in that respect. So if we take a step back, your company makes an argument, you make an argument about this being a third wave of decriminalization. Uh, quickly walk us through that. Well, I was in 2012, 2013, I was talking about how um, cannabis was going to be legalized because I had read, you know, the court rulings here in Canada and what they were talking about. And, you know, Canada being, you know, the only G or the first G7 country uh, in the world to really embrace cannabis and understand its potential and legalize it. Um, I was I sat there. I sat there with Health Canada at every roundtable. And, you know, we talked about the licensing regime and devising a strategy for it. And, you know, I'd go back to the street to talk to people about it, um, you know, bankers, lawyers, investors, and they th all thought I was crazy. They said cannabis will never be legalized. Um, obviously, that didn't hold true and it did get legalized. And uh, here we are today. It's a, you know, in Canada, it's a almost six billion dollar a year industry, the legal side of it. Um, so I took that. Uh, into the psychedelics uh, market and saw that psychedelics were going to be coming because the drugs that they were using to treat mental health and all kinds of disorders was antiquated. You know, they're using medication from the 50s with no real um, evolution to it, right? And you see now MAPS and Compass and some other uh, amazing companies are coming out with uh, FDA, you know, backed proven evidence that in fact this medicine does help so that was the second what i would call the second wave and now the third wave i think the governments are looking at the almost one trillion dollars of of money going down into the criminal uh segment and th there's got to be a better way um right now the war on drugs um really uh, affects and i think unfairly uh hurts the most vulnerable sector of our of, of society um you know the the, the big uh, um, organized crimes are doing really well obviously so i think as a society i think governments are looking at this and they got to find a better way to deal with the drug the drugs and this this whole mechanism that's been created over the last 50 60 years so you put safety front and center right there in your company's name safe supply the word safe safety and safer come up more than 40 times in your investor presentation you're making mm -hmm. an argument that your business is safer than what exists right now. But aside from the medical uses, when it comes to recreational use, isn't there a high risk of addiction? In that sense, is cocaine safe? Well, of course, there's a, there's, there's a high risk of addiction. And the problem is right now is that people are going and getting, you know, ecstasy, they're getting uh, MDMA, they're getting cocaine, they're getting these drugs from people that really can't be trusted, right? They're, they're in a lot of cases, uh, lacing it with fentanyl, with xylazine, they're cutting it with, with all kinds of horrible chemicals, and then they're selling it to the consumer. So somebody that wants to go out and try something, or somebody that is a, you know, um, you know, a light user of let's say ecstasy or, or MDMA, um, all of a sudden they get tricked into taking fentanyl a couple of times if it doesn't kill them it doesn't take long before they're an addict to it and that's a very different addiction uh than than a lot of the other drugs so i mean we've all known people that go out and have used drugs uh, most of the people that i know that have used drugs aren't addicts they don't become addicts they just go out they're occasional users and they move on and go on with their lives um 
the danger is when the source can be tainted so easily, and we're seeing this more and more with fentanyl and other uh, poisons, that becomes um, a high risk. I think you may have answered my next question, but I'm just going to ask it to you anyway. I read an article just today that says that lax laws are contributing to an addiction crisis in Canada where you're based. So what would you say to critics who make this argument? Well, look, decriminalization is a half measure. I mean, you you don't want to you can't fight this uh, war on drugs because it's just so prolific. You have to you have to deal with the supply side. So simply saying, hey, look, guys, you know, we're going to decriminalize all drugs up to two and a half grams like they did in British Columbia. Um, Again, it's a half measure. What you need to do is then uh, address the supply side. If all the uh, people that are doing drugs were able to do clean, tested, certified drugs, you'd really cut down on a lot of the um, addiction, a lot of the people that are getting hurt by it, certainly the overdoses. And this has been proven in the Portugal experiment. Uh, Portugal decriminalized uh, 20 some odd years ago, and they Mm -hmm. saw an incredible drop in uh, overdoses, in the transmission of um, infectious diseases like HIV and hepatitis. So there's a lot of good that can come of it. Again, you just have to address the supply side. So we've 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 given up with the criminal side of it, uh, charging these people. Now we got to just deal with the supply side, and that's where Safe Supply comes in to to look at and help the governments bridge, you know, their forward um, thinking and how they're going to deal with this horrible situation that we're in. And you need the, the 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 venture group to come in and bridge between their policy change and the actual business that goes on out there as as it is. Again, very similar to cannabis. Cannabis was a illegal drug. So what happened was the underworld or the criminal element controlled it. Then the government came out and said, hey, we're going to change it. We're going to actually allow people to have access to this. You need the, the venture guys, the venture capitalists to come in and bridge policy with the business. So I understand that your company, you want to be involved with all, all facets of the supply chain from production through distribution. How many parts of the supply chain are you already actively involved or invested in? So, Michael, our first investment was in a fully licensed laboratory. Um, The reason we went that way is we want to be licensed and uh, abide by all the federal rules when dealing with any drug. So that was our first investment. We got our dealer's license uh, in that investment and we're getting all the exemptions for all other aspects of the drug use. So having the laboratory was uh, was very important. The second was getting a supply. We've gone down to Peru and we've sat down uh, with our partners at Harbor and now have an access. We have access to coca leaf and um, coca alkaloid and coca extracts the cocaine and all of those APIs and everything that's available to us. Our our third step now is to uh, manage and expand our uh, reach. So we have a laboratory in British Columbia that we're partnering up with and one in uh, Africa that we're dealing with. So that's going to give us that supply chain to go and start trading in the alkaloid, which is the cocaine portion of it. So we've established a federal a federal license we've established partnerships um in three different countries now and we're looking to start the uh transaction of trading in the legal cocaine side let's just clarify a couple things there real quick when you mentioned api what's that that's cocaine 
That's, that's the okay. actual drug. Yeah. That's the acronym. That's the actual drug. And you say you have partnerships in three countries. Where are they? Uh, they're in South Africa, Canada, uh, and uh, South America. Uh, specifically in Peru. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so you have Canna Labs, which focuses on research and testing, Safe Supplied Licensing, which is the importation company. What's next? So we're looking at getting, like I said, we're looking at getting into the supply side of the legal cocaine business, which is happening and has been happening for many years in the medical side. And we're preparing the um, distribution network for when countries start to need the clean um, drug itself. Okay, so first you focus on the medical industry. And then after that, you're looking to move towards recreational use. Yes. Your investor presentation, uh, you talk about a total addressable market of 360 billion Canadian dollars. That is a lot of money, a big market. When you look at a figure of that size, where is the product being sold and how is it being used? Is that primarily for recreational drug use? Well, yeah, yes. I mean, right now there's the, there's a big medical side to it, multi-billion dollars of that side. But the really big business here is the uh, recreational side. And um, it's huge. And that's why governments are really starting to take notice and pay attention to it and say, look, that's that's what the retail side of the recreational uh, drug market is. That doesn't take into account the hundreds of billions of dollars of trying to fight that or treat that uh, illegal or recreational side of the drug market. So these are big numbers. Um, the market is moving fast. It's gonna move faster than probably most people would believe just like it did with cannabis. I mean, like I said, in 2013, uh, I was telling people cannabis is going to be legalized, and everybody was fighting on me, <laughs> fighting with me on it. And you know, a couple of years later, we went public and saw the the, the boom of cannabis. Um, the the recreational drug market is going to come to the uh, legal market, and it's going to be uh, pretty. It's I think it's going to go fast, and that's what we're setting up for. Personally, what made you want to get into this business? Um, I had a pretty conservative upbringing, so I didn't uh, look at drugs the same way like a lot of the, you know, maybe the more habitual drug users look at it. Um, then I had an opportunity to see how cannabis can help people that are suffering from uh, illness. And, you know, that changed my mind pretty quick because you could see how much help it gives people. Uh, and I got into the business. And then, you know, three kids later, I start to see just how many people are dying and being affected by actual drug use. It's over 600 people a day. That's like two Boeing 747s dropping out of the sky every single day in America. That's how many people die from uh, being tricked into taking these fentanyl and xylazine and these horrible chemicals. That needs to get addressed. That needs to be fixed. Um, something uh, there's just kind of got to be a better system. I think when we were when I was younger, for sure, drug use was pretty benign. I mean, the likelihood of dying was pretty slim. Um, those numbers have changed. I know every single person I know has been affected in some negative way by these uh, fentanyl um, deaths. So you look at it and you say to yourself, well, at what point are the governments going to say, OK, hold on a sec. War on drugs doesn't work. We're getting our people are getting hurt. Um, these 10 cities are expanding massively, not because more people are just becoming addicted because, you know, they're, they, they, they like too much ecstasy. It's because they're being tricked. They're being tricked into taking really, really addictive chemicals like fentanyl. And they find themselves without a job, without family, without uh, 
losing everything they own and being on the street. There's a lot of really good reasons to look at this and say, hey, look, there's got to be a better system out there. And you look at the market trends and the shift and you see that there's going to be a huge opportunity to be, to be able to do some good. And what do you think is the biggest risk to your business? Timing. Timing. I know I'm early. Uh, I know the setup is going to take uh, the next uh, probably 18 to 24 months. Uh, but when it comes, I think it's going to be bigger than anybody could believe. Safe Supply Streaming listed on the Canadian Securities Exchange in October. Its share price spiked very quickly. But since then, while there's been some up and downs, it has dropped quite a bit. It's currently trading two-thirds below its October peak, but still more than 50% above its trough. Bill, thank you so much for taking time today uh, to talk today. I have to say it's been a very interesting conversation. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. No question that you're involved in a controversial business, but it's really interesting to hear you talk about um, from your perspective, the benefits of this third wave of global legalization. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting to see if you're correct about that and the impact that it will have, if you are correct, on safe supply and on our communities. We've been speaking with Bill Panagio-Takopoulos, and you've been watching Global One Media's Stocks to Watch. I'm Michael Suido. 